You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Morallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I have a Naughton, Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. My co-host, Alex Barral, hopes to be joining us shortly. Had uh, some other uh, big fish to fry at the moment. But what a, uh, what a, what a last two or three days it has been for Jets fans. I don't recall a time when a team made this many headlines without making a deal at the deadline. Of course, they did make a deal a couple of days before deadline when they traded Leonard Williams. Let, let's cover that first. Let's get let's get that out of the way because it's the one deal that did happen. The Jets shipped first round pick Leonard Williams off to the Giants for a three and a five. A third round pick this year, a fifth next year. The fifth becomes a fourth if the Giants with a second Williams and and they extend him. So it's hoping Leo plays well with the Giants. And Jets got a four instead of a fifth. I mean, what can you say about this deal? It's a good job by Joe Douglas. Leonard Williams is a guy who is a good player. And and I'm torn on this. I've got into people with this on Twitter. People say he's a bust, wasted pick, blah, blah. I, you know, I take the position that look at the rest of the first round, first of all. You know, number one, look at the rest of that round. First was garbage. From Lee onward, Todd Gurley was the only other guy who was an attack player in that first round beyond the field. You got you got Sheriff and Amari taking before him. But from that six pick on, Leo and Todd Gurley. It's not as if a bunch of other now of course, you know, I'm, the 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 the, uh, the arm GMs on Twitter will I'm sure there's a guy in the third round that they had a first round grade on. They were the yeah, and that's who they've taken in six. But uh, keeping it in the realm of reality, he's not getting completely ridiculous. And tonight, Leo six made sense at the time. In fact, you can't say it was a bad pick because they, who else are we going to take? The girls are fine, but there are a lot of people, myself included, who aren't huge fans of taking running backs in round one. We can get to the quarterback. We know this. As much as we hate using excuses or players using excuses, Williams was right when he was interviewed the other day and he said, look, I, I had Brady wrapped up through the ball away intentionally grounding. I had that last week nullified by a hold on defense. Nobody's saying that as J.J. would be racking up backs, but he could easily have a few Pays for a six and sack season, playing well against the run. Leonard Williams is a good football player. He's an above average football player. Not the guy we hoped he would be. We hoped he would be a double digit sack guy against the run. So he did not live up to expectations. And I've talked about this before the whole bust thing. Define a bust. You know, technically speaking, 
you know, when you when you look it up, or at least when you look it up in the a bust is a player who doesn't meet expectations. From that standpoint, yeah, he's a bust. However, if the case, there's got to be different degrees because he shoots in Golden, right? He's a hell of a lot better than that. He's a good player who was going to get another contract. Golden, Jesus. You want those two guys in the same class, you got mental issues. I don't know what to tell you. But Lee is gone. You get a three and a five, maybe a four. I wish the guy luck. I'm glad I kept him in New York. I have to uproot his life, you know, move in the middle of the season. And if he plays well, the Giants keep him. Listen, Leo's eat small, you know, all in stations. From the way we've seen him interact with fans, media, the folks we spoke to at Fort Park. No parent concerns. Seems like a good enough dude. So, you know, good luck, Leo. Not all the clients, of course. Leo's a good guy. He's one of the good ones. He gets a much harder time from this fan base than he deserves. I'm going to go, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and say I hope he has himself a nice career. I mean, hell, ideally, go somewhere else as a free agent. Play well somewhere else. Not with the Giants. But, of course, there's the parts as well. I want to play well with the Giants to get the damn extension. Make that a little bit more ammunition. So that's the trade that did happen. The trades that did happen. That were rumored through the press. And the Jets have since confirmed. The big, of course, all out to be possibly on the way to Dallas. Asking Jets asking for two Jets wanted a one two twos. Dallas was offering a one and four. Lady Bell. His name his name up. Supposedly interest from the Steelers. Paul team the Steelers would have been hilarious. Texans, the Chiefs, the Packers. Price that too high. Rob Anderson. Teams are at least one more for the fourth. Jets wanted more than that. That's price tag was too high. As far as those teams are concerned. I have no problem with Joe Douglas and say, listen, just because we're one and six, our season's pretty much over. Doesn't mean I'm going to be walking here and raid my roster pennies on the dollar. So, but of those the one the big story now, of course, that everybody's following. Jamal Adams, the third year safety, four six pick, all pro year two, is a guy that you look at and say he could easily, easily, if he were to play his career as a Jet, down safety in the history of the team, Ring of Honor type. Well, you the right scheme. He's got the tools. He he he'd be a Hall of Fame player. I don't doubt. That. That's why he was the number six overall pick. He can play run. He can the pass. He can pressure the quarterback. However, Jamal Adams' status, reputation as a leader in this locker room. Handled this. 
could not have been any worse. I mean, Jamal and Jamal Adams handled so poorly. I can't help but wonder if it's by design. Like, is, is Jamal Adams being done? Because I figured this out earlier. Of all guys in this locker room, how is the one guy who doesn't understand the business side of the NFL, Jamal Adams? As you know, I'm sure you're well aware, some of you perhaps not, Jamal Adams fought around Rattic of your Giants and cut after just four seasons. He only started seven games and was out of the league a couple years And Jamal doesn't understand how the NFL works. How is it possible? Joe Douglas, the general manager, it is his job to improve the team and get the chance he can get. Joe Douglas reportedly met with Jamal Adams a few days ago and had it sit down. Jamal Adams, he, he told us he wants to return the Jets. The Jets said they wanted to remain a Jet. This is this, working. Whether or not it's true, they, they, so, so little makes sense about this whole thing. I don't know who to believe. I actually speculated that Jamal Adams had gone to the Jets and asked for a trade. And I still wouldn't leave out. He could be trying to play the guy now. Oh, I'm just super upset because I don't want to leave here. Jamal Adams goes to the Jets. Supposedly, he wants to stay. And then, a day or two later, what is the most amazing coincidence? The Dallas Cowboys. That Jamal Adams would later say was a team he would like to play for. Well, what do you know? Of the 31 teams in the NFL, who called the Jets to ask about Jamal Adams' availability? The Dallas Cowboys. That's strange, isn't it? Isn't that weird? It's the place Jamal Adams is from. And where he told a reporter he would like to play there. Two days after his meeting with the Jets, where he supposedly said he wanted to stay, the team he wanted to go to calls the Jets and says, hey, Jamal. Would any, can we honestly at this point rule out the possibility that Jamal Adams' agent didn't call the Cowboys and say, listen, Jamal might be available. Give the Jets a call. So the Cowboys call the Jets and they start, they, they start negotiating Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas, what Joe Douglas did in the situation was his job, the thing he is required to do, and he listened. Jamal Adams is a winning football player. I just can go down as a safety in the history of the team. Hall of Fame type material. However, had the Cowboys called, said something ridiculous, We'll give you two ones, two twos, and a three. You might have to 
make that deal. You have to make that deal, right? So Joe Douglas listens. The Cowboys still get one, uh, a four, whatever it was. The Jets say, no, we like him all too much. If you want him, here's what Cowboys, too for their blood. Jets, okay. Jets, call anybody else up. The Jets weren't shopping Jamal Adams around. That didn't stop Jamal Adams going to Twitter. can't believe the team went behind my back and shop. Offers two different things. And then after the GM clears it up, Joe Douglas comes and says, I'm a GM, my job to listen. I listened. Then I hung up the phone. Offer wasn't good enough. We love Jamal. Jamal Adams, good enough. The next, I'm not, I, Jamal spoken to Adam I'm not talking to Adam Gates. Have you spoken to Joe? I'm not ready to talk to Joe Douglas. My feelings are hurt. Come on, man. How old is this guy? He doesn't, he doesn't understand that this is business and that the GM has a job to do. And, and just in case, just in case you know, in case you thought you been underestimated his ego. What does Jamal Adams say? Patriots would trade Tom Brady. Who's who are you compare yourself to, Jamal? Rams would trade Aaron Donald. I mean, listen, I just said it. Hall of Fame possible. Absolutely. Until you've done something in the league, like been part of a team that wasn't atrocious or won an award, and you're putting over the same class as players. I mean, look, we always got to know, right? The dude, this isn't football related, but this is just a, a life for me. If you come across somebody who gives himself their own name, be one of the person's shouldn't be surprised if the guy who gives himself a nickname, not just gives himself a nickname, which is a little bit weird in itself, chooses the nickname President for himself. That's an ego. It's like some... I, I can relate to that. I think human beings can relate to that. So the self-proclaimed President, his feelings are hurt. He's sad. He's scorned. The team, the nerve, they had the nerve to answer the phone, listen to what the people on the other side of the, on the other line are saying, the audacity. So here we are, a couple of days later, and Gase still hasn't spoken to Jamal Adams. I mean, this is the head coach of the football team. And he doesn't feel like he can talk to Jamal Adams. He's even, he's, he's praising him up and down. You know, he's, he, man, I'll tell you what right now, man, Jamal. Jamal's so 
fucking if I know anything about Jamal Chase, just focused on my ass. So focused on my ass. The day before the Ryan Clark, he wanted to go to Dallas. Now we're supposed to leave like, hey, he wants to be here. This goes up on the interview report, by the way. Um, but everybody showed up on the injury report today. 25 guys on the injury report right now. Uh, the Jets Troy, or if they legit have 25 dudes hurt. Uh, but Jamal is one of them. Somebody said his foot in practice. Uh, I no uh, no news yet as to whether or not Jamal Adams speaking with the player who stepped on his foot. Might be upset about that too. But this is a bad look for Jamal. This is a guy who. 72 hours ago, was probably the most loved player in this organization by this fans. And I ran a quick Twitter poll, and it was like 75% of fans said this this hurts him in terms of his his self-anointed. I mean, he did too. It's, as a leader, his reputation, brand as a leader. And uh, like responses, 75% of fans Felt Jamal hurt himself. Do what he did. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it, if it wasn't just strange, if he wasn't a guy whose dad was in the NFL and knows the way it works, and then to come off and, and, and give the impression that you don't understand the business side of things, but this smells like me, and I know I've seen people publish it. I've seen a couple of us be speculate. I think this is Jamal Adams. Go back and watch his interview after that Jacksonville game. That dude looked miserable. I mean, he looked like a dude who is fed up. Fed up. He should, look, I don't, he got every right to this. He looked fed up. Has a meeting with me. Claims he says he wanted to stay. Cowboys the team he wants to go to most just happened to call the Jets to inquire about his availability. He calls the team out on social media. The team hears it up. He st- days later still hasn't spoken to anyone. And so I'm not talking to They had the audacity to entertain the notion of improving the team. It's crazy times. Only the Jets make news like this. Let's make big news by not making a trade. Alex, are you with us? Glenn, good evening. How we doing, buddy? Good. How we doing, Alex? I'm doing all right. Thanks for covering for me. Well, I'm coming in a little late, and I'm sure that we got plenty to get into tonight. Alex, because you're coming on late tonight, all I have nothing to do. Are you me, Alex? Alex. Alex may be thinking a little bit. It does sound that way. Alex, if you can... Uh, yeah, stop. He'll come back. So the comparison... Comparison track. Responses. As I said earlier, Le'Veon Bell, his name was quoted. Rob Anderson, his name was quoted. They respond. How do Leon Bell, another future Hall of Famer who has done a hell of a lot more in this league than Jamal Adams, 
How do Le'Veon Bell respond? And that's the video to the fans. Hey, man, I'm here. Be patient. We do what we can. Joe, great job. He left out Ace's name, by the way. But Le'Veon Bell, upbeat, positive. Come on, fans. Stick with us. We need you. Robbie Anderson. Possibly Robbie Anderson's greatest tweet of all time. And he's got some good ones. Robbie tweeted a video clip off of Wall Street. Leonardo DiCaprio grinding his teeth, grunting that he's not going to where he's staying. And the crowd goes wild. I saw Robbie Anderson meeting with the media yesterday. I've never seen a dude look so happy. I'm looking at Robbie Anderson, I'm like, that dude legitimately wants to be a jet. He ain't crying. He's not pouting. He's not hot talking to anyone. He's happy to be a jet. He's a lot of him smiling ear to ear. Talking to the media. He spoke to Joe Douglas. He was worried what Joe Douglas called. Did they in the deadline? Did I get traded? No, Robbie, you're good when you're here. Great. Awesome. Robbie's happy to be talking to the GM. Avion's happy to be here and then he goes out to the fans. Jamal Adams, he's playing in everybody why he told Ron Clark he wants to go to the Cowboys. Something, something doesn't add up, folks. Something doesn't add up. The Jamal Adams comes from the background he comes from and is surprised to learn how the NFL works. But one team, or the team that one team is from the city he's from has to call the Jets to initiate trade talks two days after he met with the team. I mean, are we at a point now is Joe Douglas supposed to call Jamal Adams before he before he starts any negotiations? I mean, listen, how old you have to be? At what point were you in your life when you realize things don't always go as planned? You sit in an office with somebody and tell them, yes, here is our plan moving forward. Boom, boom, boom. And that person walks out and they go home. And then something comes up. Something drastic, dramatic that you weren't expecting changes the whole dynamic. And you go, oh, we look at this. Look what just came up. Fluid situation now, and you addressed, and that's what the Jets did. When 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 the Cowboys got on the line and said, "Hey, Joe Douglas, we need to talk about possibly acquiring Jamal Adams," she said, "Hang on, Jerry, I got to call Jamal, run this pass real quick, because we told him we wanted to be a Jet." And it's not, I mean, <laughs> the fact that the Jets want him here is only reinforced by the fact they didn't do it for a one. And they want they want a, a hell of, a one two two is for safety a lot, it's a lot, and that's what the Jets wanted. They clearly think a lot of Alex. So Alex, back with us. You good, Alex? Yes, uh, I'm here, Glenn. Um, sorry if my connection is not strong. Um, just coming in um, off the road from a long day. And uh, I see that we're covering the Jamal Adams situation here. Um, clearly, if anybody has been paying attention to my timeline on Twitter, you can see that 
even I have uh, come out and, and left a little bit of my emotions on the internet as well. Um, it's uh, It's been a rough week um, as far as this team and this organization and for Jamal as well. Uh, I know that the optics on this situation yet again is not looking very good. Uh, it just seems to be that, you know, the Jets are their own worst enemy. Um, you know, when, when even when they're trying to do things to improve the roster, it looks like there are still some leaks and cracks within this organization, and uh, it definitely did not look good uh, for, you know, for Joe Douglas and Adam Gase here. Uh, I completely understand, you know, the business side um, of this, and uh, I also do side a little bit with Jamal here, uh, knowing about the meeting and the conversations that they had. Um, I, I understand that he does feel that he was, you know, let's say, you know, air quoting stabbed in the back. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, hopefully the, the organization's being truthful with the fact that they were taking in calls and not making calls out. So definitely a very, very tough and, and, and sticky situation here. It looks like the relationship between Adams and the Jets um, are in the fringe right now, and only time will tell, and, and it really seems that if anyone's going to make this work, it's probably going to have to be Jamal that's going to have to, uh, you know, mature, grow up, however you want to phrase it, and be a little bit more understanding with the fact that at the end of the day, you didn't get dealt. You're still with the team that cares very much about you, and uh, hopefully moving forward, he'll keep his emotions off Twitter and off the Internet. I, I got to say, um, I, I disagree that the, the, the Jets look bad here at all. I, the Jets, did, in my mind, they did nothing wrong. They were doing their diligence. They were doing their job, fielding calls. Um, as I said, I know you weren't on Alex, but, you know, <laughs> Some point, you know, I said, you know, listeners, one point you're going to come to the realization that things don't always go the way you plan in life, and it's entirely possible to shake that down with Jamal Adams. Said Jamal, you're part of a long term plan. And then the next day or two days later, whatever it is, you get a call with the team off the first rounder and more. You go, oh, damn, we weren't expecting this. Let's see what that has to say. I mean, it is, it is so the difference between. Shining a guy and taking phone calls is such a difference. And Jamal, again today, even today, said again, well, we found out they were shopping me. So he won't get off this shopping me thing. Even two Dallas reporters, when everything got heated, two reporters tweeted out, confirmed today from a cowboy source, they picked the phone to call the Jets. They initiated the trade. Jets did not reach out to them. So everyone's saying everyone's Everyone's on the same page. The only person who doesn't understand life here is Jamal Adams. And he's still running the organization. And this is a guy who's supposed to be a leader. Actual born leader of men was the opening line to his NFL.com draft profile. And that's the way he's done his here. His culture change is a leader. And he's going to pout because the GM picked up the phone and made a call about him. And his GM answered the phone. You got sudden they're these terrible I wonder if he's going to talk to them before the season ends like at, at what point he stop stomping his foot and go to their office and 
and I don't, even, I don't know what they would say. I mean, Austin just bend over back and kisses somebody, and that's probably what he. They've already told him the truth. They've already said he took some calls. Like there's nothing to be said, but he's still twisting it. To me, basically the way this comes off right now is Jamal Adams is either being dumb, not understanding the business side of things, or being willfully ignorant, play the victim, and to be able to demand either a ridiculous contract to make him happy, or demand the trade. That those are the only things that make sense. There is no like, oh, maybe it's a misunderstanding. There's nothing to misunderstand. He said, yes, we would like you here. But the fact that they asked for so much in competition proves they want him here. That's it. That's where it ends. The fact that so, reporters from the other team have confirmed the Jets did not shop him is what the team is saying. And he's saying they shopped me. He's got this injured ego because they took a phone call. And two days later, that coach has to stand up there in front of the media. And that, that guy, too, don't get me wrong. Adam here. But the head coach has to stand up and basically say, no, I haven't had a lot of talks with him yet. I haven't talked to him. Like, at what point do you clear the air, Adam? Like, do you have to get a point with Jamal Adams? At what, are you allowed to have a conversation with him? I think this is Jamal Adams either not understanding the business side of it, which makes no sense. There's no way the guy whose dad was drafted in the same round in the same city who was out of town two years later after something starts. There's no way his son is a business of things. But Jamal Adams is still pretending to be wounded by this side of things. And, and nobody can talk to me right now, and I still can't believe he shopped me. He's made up his own story that he is sticking to that doesn't matter what the team is saying. Doesn't matter what the writers and stars are saying, and the only explanation I come up with is that his agent is saying, "Look, dude, we're gonna we try to create some leverage here." Kind of the way Mark has got a huge deal because the Jets had the nerve to explore the possibility of signing Peyton, so they had to give him a ton of money to make him happy. So it's either buy my happiness, or or I'm gonna have a whole demand to trade, and we'll see where this goes. But that's where we're headed right now. Well, and well, here's the thing that if if we could try to sit stand in this man's shoes just for a second here, now he was getting information from apparently people that he trusts within the the network of the NFL. He was getting information from his agent, so that means that there was some sort of conversations going back and forth, and I think the shopping aspect that has been the focus on this whole fiasco is that the Jets made a counteroffer, meaning that they were actually willing to deal him. And maybe that's what has gotten him under his collar here, is the fact that he had a conversation, he had to sit down face-to-face with his head coach and his general manager, and when he left that, he felt that they were in good standings. But clearly we've can tell that the ramifications of a counteroffer or being shopped uh, definitely triggered him emotionally because I will say some of the things that he's done on Twitter or on social media for that standpoint has seemed immature, unprofessional. And 
he's reiterated that he's going to be professional about this. So you're right. He has to prove that he can move forward with this and let the past be the past. He has to open up his door and communicate with his people within the network to show good uh, grace and to show that he's willing which, which, to move forward. Which he is doing, by the way. Which he's not doing. We're two days in, and he still hasn't been to his coach. And he's claiming yes. he's shot. That's correct. So, you, you know, I, I try to remember, and I'd have to try to take a step back here because we hold these players in such high regard because they make a lot of money. They play a game where they make millions of dollars, but yet again, these are early 20-year-old men that we expect to act as wise as a 40- to 50-year-old man that's had his walk of, of life. So, yes, I, I, it is not completely shocking to me that a 24-year-old uh, crazy athlete that thinks that he is on a level beyond all other people is reacting like an egomaniacal maniac. Is it that shocking? Not really because I've seen other athletes do this before. Um, did I expect Jamal Adams to be this way? No. But he has been eccentric in the past. He has How did you feel about him compared passionate. to Tom Brady? Okay, so um, I've definitely gone through uh, that battle on Twitter with, with multiple people. I, I think Jamal did not represent himself properly in that comment, but once you say something, there's no no coming back. I don't think he thinks that he's the Tom Brady of safeties, but I do think that he has a mental mind frame that I am the best in the league and I'm going to be the best in the league, and when I leave this sport, people will talk about me as being the best in my position. That was my understanding from his statement because he hasn't been in the league long enough to earn those dues or to, to be put in the same conversation as the individuals of Aaron Donald and Tom Brady. He hasn't earned that yet. Um, but I, I do understand um, where he's coming from on a mindset um, as a competitor, as, as an athlete, as, you know, understanding that sometimes uh, you have to think the unbelievable in order to achieve things that people will say that you're incapable of doing. Um, you know, I used something today, and some people understood it, some people didn't, but Muhammad Ali, or should I say Cassius Clay, before he became Muhammad Ali, used to call himself the greatest. And a lot of people didn't like that. And a lot of people didn't stand for that or didn't agree to that. But he believed in himself. He stuck to what he felt was in his heart and in his mind, and he achieved a lot of good things in his career because he believed in himself above all other things. So that's how I see it, and I can completely understand if you think that what he said was moronic and there's no way that he could shine either of those individual shoes. Completely get that. But at the end of the day, you're not going to make it to the top if you're far too humble and you settle for less. And Jamal Adams is not the type of person that will ever settle for less or ever sell himself short. 
And so that's kind of how I, I took that comment. I, I don't know. I, I think we've seen some fairly humble guys make it, um, guys who don't compare themselves to Hall of Famers uh, before they've done anything. Um, I understand a lot of guys do talk themselves. I understand all that. But when you start smoking first ballot Hall of Famers, like you're ba- like I'm on the level as these first ballot Hall of Famers. In, in the middle of year three, as a defensive back, got two interceptions in 39 career games. And one of them came against the guy who, whose name I can't remember, Tom Brady's backup. Um, got two interceptions in, in just under 40 games, and, and you're just the Hall of Famers. I just, I, I, basically, I think he wants out. I think he wants, he's either going to want to be the highest paid safety in the NFL, uh, he's going to want like 20, 25 million per interception. Or, or he wants to leave. He wants to go to Dallas. That's why he talked to Brian Clark and told him he was happy that he was going to Dallas. That's where he wants to be. So I I think he's done as a Jet. I think the Jets are going to move him this season. If they don't, I think he's going to hold out and say he wants $25 million per interception. And uh, it's going to, you know, that you're going to like a $50 million contract. So um, I just can't remember seeing a guy go from. And like I don't know if you heard earlier, Alex, I, I sent a tweet earlier, um, a poll asking fans if they thought this damaged Jamal's um, reputation as a leader. And uh, 73%, 73%, something like that, said they they did. They felt it, his antics. And that's, that surprised me because fans, Jets fans, here we go, 70, 73% said yes, uh, 628 votes. That's it's not exactly an entire fan, but 628 is not a small number. It's not like, uh, hey, we uh, we set out a poll, nine responses, and 30%. No. This is uh, over 600 fans, 70% say that he has damaged his brand. And, you know, players of well, I shouldn't say players. I'm sure that, I'm sure that, but, you know, for those of you who missed it, Damian Woody did a video. And we say, like, come on, dude. How do you not understand the business side? Your general manager has a job to do, and he's doing his job. And, you know, if that's, if that's Jamal's angle, well, Dallas, I know they didn't call, but they countered. Let's call the negotiation. Also part of his, you know, also part of Joe Douglas's job. Because teams don't tend to come with their best offer right off the bat because cause you negotiate. So basically, not accepting the first offer isn't a whole lot different than not taking a phone call. Because teams will call and make their best offer off the bat. They call and see if you get them on the cheap. You call, you, so, you counter with something and then you go back and forth and see if you can get, find some some middle ground. Do you honestly believe that the Jets made zero calls going out seeing what they could get for the players that are of value? Do you really believe that? Because I don't. And I have, I, have, I, have no to, I have no proof to the contrary. You know, I, 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 because can, I can speculate, but I, I, there's no proof of it. And, and so much got out. I mean, look, before Adam Schefter, when big names get mentioned, those guys find out. So that there, you might get some, some middling sort of low-level guys you don't hear about, but they probably don't care. But when all pro players – when their names start getting floated, they hear about it. And 
fact, the only team that was leaked was the team that Jamal said he would like to play for. And two sources from that team told reporters that the Jets did not reach out to them. Then yeah, I don't have a hard time believing stuff their word. They told them, oh, yeah, we like you. You're here. We don't plan on moving you. Because, as I said at the top of the show, it might be a damn Hall of Famer. He could be. He's that good of a player. But the Jets obviously want him, and that makes sense. So I, I have no problem believing the Jets didn't shop Jamal Adams. It wasn't rude. It wasn't reported. The Jets said they didn't do it. They told him they wouldn't do it. And the one team that they did talk to, they they called they called Jets. So, no, I don't have a hard time at all. He wouldn't want to shoot Jamal Adams. Um, but someone's going to call you. as well say, all right, let's try to get a ransom for this guy. Kind of you know, see if we can get a, a crazy enough for half the You know, at, as Adam Gase said, whoever said it, like, everyone, outside of Sam Darnold, everybody's got a price. But, you know, somebody or one of them pointed out, the only two people on the Jets roster who are not available via trade are Darnold and Kevin Williams. You know, that, and that, that actually may not have come from Schefter or uh, it may not have been one of the top guys. I don't know how credible it was. Bottom line is, Jets told them they wanted to stay. What they countered to the Cowboys proved they wanted him to stay. And no one reported that they shopped him. So I'm not, I'm not going to say they probably shopped him because that would make a lot of sense. And so, no, I don't think they shopped him. And I don't I think he knows that. that. That's the problem here. I think Jamal Adams knows shop but he's still pretending they did so it's like it's when someone like you see stories of people like uh so much on their spouse get caught in the middle and they jump up and they go oh well this is your fault because you've been working too many hours like oh man i just i just caught doing something wrong i'm gonna turn it around on you and make it like you're the guy so all adams is happy all adams met with the team I would have no like if we're speculating because you know, and I I said I have no proof that Jets shopped him. I also have proof that Jamal Adams agent advised the Cowboys to call the Jets about a deal. But Alex, isn't that an amazing coincidence? You weren't on when I said that. Thirty other teams in the NFL, and the only one to call the Jets to ask if they might please be able to have Jamal Adams. The team Jamal Adams said he'd like to play for. You don't think the agent to the Cowboys and say, listen, Jamal. With the GTA, why don't you give him a call and see see what it takes to bring him to Dallas? Yeah, I you know it, it is it is a hundred percent completely possible um, that maybe some of these internal uh, leaks that came through um, could have come from his side, and at the same time, there's there's easily a percentage in which um, maybe the Jets had decided to leak some information to see who, who else they could get to call in. Um, because as you remember, when we were going through the process to get Le'Veon Bell, um, there were reports saying that the Baltimore Ravens were, were coming in and, and looking to make a move, which, which completely was false. And, and we know how this league works. This league works where, you know, people will put something out there to see what kind of reaction they can get from other organizations and to see, you know, if, if there's smoke, there's fire um, just to, you know, ferret a player out or see how much another team's willing to make an offer to acquire a player. 
So it's completely, you know, believable that these leaks could have come internally from the Jets organization, or maybe this is the Jamal Adams committee that was putting these things out there to, you know, get what he wanted essentially, which could possibly be an exit out of New York. So, you know, we're not going to get all the nitty gritty, but at the same time, I stay a little reserved because I've seen the way organizations conduct themselves and how they will sit there and blatantly tell the fan base and everyone, oh, you know, this is not happening. This is the way it's going to be. We're not going in this direction. And then a few days later, they do exactly what they said that they weren't going to do. Um, you could take the example right from the Giants with Odell Beckham. Now, pretty much Odell Beckham Jr. wrote himself, you know, his exit pass with his semantics that he did while he was in New York. But they did give him a monumental contract, and then they dealt him the minute the offseason came. So we always seem to be told, uh, you know, the same rhetoric and coach speak when when we get into these scenarios here with, with you know, uh, individuals from the front office because no one's just going to go out there and, and just shoot it straight and give us 100% of the truth because they know that that will expose their hand or how they – internally do their business. So I guess, you know, I'm trying to keep an open mind and take everything with a grain of salt because we've heard people come out and say from, you know, sources, I'm hearing X, Y, Z, and then ABC plays out, which is completely different and refutes everything that the individual had claimed that they had, you know, the, the 411 on. So, I, when I look at this scenario here, it, it is completely, you know, a, a bad optics for the Jets because who are we supposed to side with? Are we supposed to side with the player or the organization? Because if, if anything, this organization has not done its job throughout the years, and they have mismanaged players throughout the years. The last time we had a fiasco with a superstar like this, it was Darrell Rebus. And the way that that ended up working out is we ended up trading him because it was more about money than anything else. But we never had a situation to where we had information leaked within our organization and basically had all this bad publicity um, because it was not only Jamal Adams that's name was out there. Le'Veon Bell was out there. Robbie Anderson's been out there for a week or two. And I even came to heard that Marcus May was on the block as well. And that just really, really interests me that this team is telling us that they want to improve, they want to get better, we're close to where we want to be at one and six, but then you're going to go and possibly deal your top two defensive players and Marcus May and, and, and Jamal Adams if the price is right? I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how you can tell well, me so, that we're not giving up on the season, but if somebody calls and gives us something that seems pretty decent as far as draft commodity, we're taking it. So I'm not well, sure I mean, how I'm that, supposed that, to take any, that either. The, the, the Miami Dolphins right now will tell you they're giving up on the season. No team ever comes as you're up on the season. That's just GMB, coach, beat, whatever. Um, Marcus May is a player. He, he's not a generational guy. 
Le'Veon Bell, the, I tweeted this out. Le'Veon Bell makes sense for a few reasons. One, we know Gase didn't want him. He didn't have to pay that much more. Adam Gase already feels like he's overpaid. Two, Adam Gase hasn't found the way to use Le'Veon Bell. I mean, let's face it, he's only one of the greatest offensive weapons in the NFL. Our genius offensive head coach can't figure out a way to get him a fast. So, Le'Veon Bell on this roster right now, team is one and six with they can't solve without him. Like, Le'Veon Bell of no, or up to this point, been of no value to the team. So I could 100% see Gase, Joe Douglas, looking at the results and saying, um, look, I bought you a quartet, and, and you're walking to work. Like, I may as well just get rid of the damn thing. So I have no problem with shot, and especially when you have a back with a ton of characters, they got to rebuild this offensive line. You know that. It might be a couple of years till the offensive line I mean, even next year, if you if if he's all about Le'Veon Bell, and again, basically, as I said at the top, as I said about Rob or about Jamal, same thing goes for Rob, same thing goes for Bell. The Jets obviously do value these guys. They were demanding more than he was willing to give, and rather than just saying, oh, screw it, man, let's get some picks and rebuild this thing. Let's okay, here take three for a four. Okay, Le'Veon will take that three. Uh, no, the Jets were like, all right, well, here's how we value Robbie. Here's how we value Le'Veon. Here's how we value Jamal. Are you going to meet those? No. Okay, then we'll keep them then. We don't not want these guys. We want them. So if you want them to, you're going to have to pay a premium. And if you don't want to pay the premium, we're happy to keep them. So I don't think the Jets did anything wrong by listening. And I obviously giving these guys away. And I don't think, you know, as far as the Jets or Jamal, who has more gain and who has more lose? The Jets, with the guy a couple days earlier and then go shop it, they like look like idiots. And again, we've been over that. The, the Cowboys did not do that. Jamal, on the other hand, he gained, he, he's trying to gain some leverage. And hey, maybe I can, maybe I can do like not, not sure he doesn't know exactly Mark Sanchez thing on but and the agent could be saying, look, we can paint the Jets in a corner where you can be the, the, the angry superstar who have to pass by to make you happy again or we can we can, you know, crow our you know you know, force to kill you and of course at this point it wouldn't have to be the day it's sense they wouldn't have to be Dallas necessarily. But um and and the frustration with losing Obviously, they're pissed off. They won't stop losing. That, that does seem to be in trend. You know, you mentioned earlier, um, Alex, talking to Jamal, you said that the, the, the fact that the Jets probably triggered his emotions. Um, two words that are, that are big right now in that sort of age bracket. Tr- emotional and, and triggering. Like, these we're people that can't... We're seeing young stars in the NFL who have a, a bad year or two, and they're like, i got to get traded. I, this, I'm not happy. But, you know, I have to be happy. I, I have to trade me to another team. When once, uh, the uh, what was it, the mink of its past got dealt, that thought crossed my mind. I'm like, man, is this something that can happen with Jamal? Because the Jets are very good. Is he going to be a guy who doesn't want to deal with adversity, doesn't want to sort of hang through the tough time, wants to go, you know, send me to a winner. I don't want to go through the process of getting back. Um, and now I think we might be seeing that. And like I said, did, did you catch his interview 
um, after the Jacksonville game, Alex? And if you did, what were your thoughts? Because I thought he was absolutely as down as the player can look after a game. <laughs> I think I was just as depressed, if not more, after after seeing that. Uh, that was not the same jovial individual that we are accustomed to seeing. And, uh, you know, I think he was, was really upset also uh, with his play. Um, he didn't have a great game. Um, a lot of people uh, are harping on that as well. I mean, you know, I don't expect everyone to watch, rewatch the games as many times as you and, and I do. Um, you know, if, if you go back and you look at some of those plays where the touchdowns were given up, um, you know, Jamal Adams should have had that uh, sack on, on Gardner Minshew that led yes, to that long touchdown have. for Conley. But at the same yeah. time, uh, why is James Berg as a practice squad guy, um, you know, covering covering a slot receiver um that 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 is definitely something that greg williams should have to answer not not Jamal adams um because if you look at the way that the stunt was created adams was blitzing from the left side and the entire defensive line stunted to the right so it was almost like a trap play to where everyone always seems to focus in on 33 rightly so because he's our best defensive player so it was almost a setup to where Jamal was supposed to move Minshew toward where the defensive line was, was uh, moving. You know, from he was coming left and the D line was moving to their right. So I think that they were trying to set a trap and, and kind of crush the can, per se, on, on Minshew. And you'll have to tip your cap to this, this young kid that has the, a knack and ability to to move around and skew and, and avoid pressure because he did it all day to us. But why is James Burgess covering a slot receiver? And why is Tremaine Johnson being left alone? I think it was possibly a cover three and Marcus may left his deep responsibilities to cover the tight end. When Mark, when Tremaine Johnson was evenly split with the guy in the flat and the guy that was in the, the hook area of that route. I think Tremaine Johnson would have been fine because he had linebackers in front of him to cover the flat. So if Marcus May stayed home on deep coverage rather than coming up to give support to Tremaine Johnson, that, that play doesn't go for a score. So I, don't, I really would put that one on Greg Williams. I won't put that on Jamal Adams. Yes, these guys are supposed to finish plays and they're supposed to make plays, but we've heard about the aggressiveness of Greg Williams defensive schemes. And sometimes he's his own worst enemy because he doesn't leave enough people in coverage when things don't go according to plan. And I think that was one of the perfect scenarios of being a little too aggressive at that point in time. Um, You know, and his other touchdown that everyone seems to be blaming him on that was in the front left corner of the pylon. Jets were in a zone, red zone uh, defense there. And again, this slot receiver crossed over from the left side to the right, worked his way through traffic. Again, one of our linebackers was covering a wide receiver and got through the traffic. Jamal was actually already covering somebody. And when Minshew threw the ball, Adams happens to be the closest to the guy 
because he was breaking to where the ball was being thrown. So if you want to blame Jamal Adams for that defensive breakdown as well, I urge you to go back and take a look at that play from different angles multiple times, and you could see how it unfolded. Because what we saw from the broadcast view and what you can see from the coach's film will tell you two different tales. Um, you now he also did drop an interception. So, you know, those are the plays that they always say, oh, I wish I could get a couple back. Um, you know, if you look at the way that the defense was called, those two big defensive scores, if the Jets have a better play drawn up, if players are more disciplined, that takes 14 points away from, from Jacksonville, and we have a totally different game. So you can blame Jamal Adams for the loss if you, if you want to go that route. Um, but, you know, there was other players that, that did not have a very good game at all. Um, I'm sure you covered it. The offensive line looks pretty much like they have all year, um, not being able to pick up stunts, not being able to pick up protections, uh, letting guys come free on Sam Darnold. And, and Darnold played a terrible game as well. Um, you know, we know he's having a rough go. He sprained his thumb. He had his toenail removed. Um, he could tell us that he's completely recovered from his mono situation, but I'm, I'm sure he's not still at 100% strength. So it's a really, really bad remedy um, from this past, this past game and over the past few weeks. And uh, unfortunately, we can't hit the reset button here and, and try over again. But, you know, with, with all the way that this week has gone, I, I understand why people are putting all the focus on 33. But uh, I, I think the problems lie far deeper than 33 with this past weekend's game. Um, oh, absolutely. I, well, this happens, though. When you put off of a loss and you get put under the microscope for, for talking a little too much, they're going to put you under the microscope, and that's that's just the nature of the beast. You know, everyone's going to jump right to, which I, I normally hate. And even in this case, I you know I put them all on the line here. I don't like the idea of saying, you know, uh, that he's the reason they lost. But it was also weird. It's a weird time. To, it's kind of a perfect storm. I mean, of course, he's going to do what he's doing now because of the deadline. But uh, it, I guess, it's a weird coincidence that in a game where, or in a week when he's uh, voicing his displeasure with the organization it comes days after i mean i don't disagree with anything you said but if you're this you know if you're this if you're putting yourself on tom Brady and you sack your Minshew, like make that play and it's not an issue. um but that's not you know i'm one of these people that affects perfection from players and that'll actually me to robbie anderson because that's i i um discussed rob earlier in the show alex uh, his reaction to not being traded, the the video he sent out, which was great, the Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, that was great. reaction to not being traded, you know, sending out a video to the fans saying with us, like that's what leadership looks very professional. That's what Jamal, that's what Jamal seems to be. That's what Bell has been. But um, the thing, Robbie, Robbie saying, give the guy a contract. Like I don't know what it is, Jets fans hold Robbie Anderson to this standard where mm-hmm. they. Completely oblivious to all the times the guys wide open and the quarterback doesn't hit him. They they want to have a thousand yards. Never had a thousand yards. I've never seen a Jets player lose lose so much production on bad throws. Like the frequency with which he's open or or gets feared with whatever you know. As the case last week, he got grabbed in the fourth quarter, beat a deep down 
down the sideline. That might have been another 80-yard touchdown. Um, and for yeah, whatever that was not reason, offensive passing interference. I don't care what you say there. That was ticky tacky. Yeah, the the the, the defense late in the game. Um, not the 33-yarder he caught. There was one late in the game where there was deep the pass interference um, where he opened down the right sideline. Um, on the left side, and I agree with that too. That was, that was garbage. But basically, um, Robbie Anderson, for some reason, Jets is a poor, poor quarterback play that's good at his production. And anytime he does something, you know, fans were because the interception, why, you know, why wasn't he a better, why wasn't he a better uh, DP on that play? Like, I'm supposed to not want the better deep threats in the NFL, the contract extension, because he he's not great when the ball's in the air playing defensive back. Listen, I'm not saying the guy's perfect. Yeah, I, yes. And I'm not – it would be different if I was saying you need to sign Robbie Anderson to an $8 million deal. When you say, man, you're out of your damn mind. Look at the things he doesn't do. Okay, let's, let's give him a contract for the things he does do. And all this talk about, well, he's not true number one. Hell cares. You still need three, four, five good receivers. He would be one of them. Give a damn what number he is. I don't care if he's number two. You know what he is? He's a guy who consistently runs the defense and has a chance to score a touchdown if you put the ball in the on target. Call him whatever number three you want. Classify him however you like. Lose sleep over the fact that he's not a very good DB. Just give the guys money. I was so happy to still be a Jet the day after the deadline. That's the most genuine, biggest smile I've seen for that dude in an interview. He genuinely liked being on this team, despite the fact that they consistently trash, find ways to screw everything up every season. The guy wants to be here. And all he does is behind defenses. And because the offensive line can't block long enough for the quarterback to make the throw, or because the quarterback can't hit him in stride. Like, Glenn, he's only offered a – I don't care. I don't care. I'm telling you what I see when I watch the guy play. And I see him consistently open and able to make big plays if they just get the damn ball on target. You know what's going to – if they fix this whole line and as, as good as he's supposed to be, teams that didn't go a two or a three for him are going to be like, gee, he screwed that up. Right. Teams make mistakes. And any team that's not willing to go to if you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you have Carson Wentz at quarterback and you had that dude, are you kidding me? And put him on the field with John Jackson? Ridiculous. So give that man a contract and lay the bell the possibility of trading him. I mean that's does that merge this all season, you know? Who knows? Did you hear out that Lady Agent, this is Le'Veon trolling. Le'Veon Bell's agent told Le'Veon that one of the Steelers trade for him was Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow, that that that's pretty crazy, and and it, it's it's funny how uh, the irony of of that whole situation too, because I know that how they've just had with that injuries at their running back. That event. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about <laughs> kind of like a circus style of events. With that, with that organization, but um, with everything though, that they had, the Steelers would have basically gotten cheaper for less than what they were offering him. Because 
Jets paid right. salary ready. They had him back at less money than they offered, so it would have worked well for them. But going back to the Jets, going back to the game. Okay, so we talked about uh, you know Jamal how much he to blow for this and everything. Um, who who stood to you out? Who were uh, let's get some studs in offense, okay. defense, however you want to. Do it. Who who stood out to you when you watched that game or when you rewatched the game? Well, I think uh, there there's only one offensive stud, um, and I think that that was Ryan Griffin because he pretty much did it all as far as the point scoring. Um, I really wish Donald they would have gotten involved sooner, but what can you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes when you have a hot hand like that and you and you see how the defense is reacting or, or how they're, they're setting up particular um, alignments, because if you remember on, on the score that Ryan Griffin had, uh, Le'Veon Bell was, was running an outside route, and – everyone reacted to that on that side of the field. And when the ball was put into the air, there was three defenders in the area of Le'Veon Bell and one-on-one for Griffin. And it was basically a foot race. So you can see how teams are drawing up their defenses because they, they know that besides Anderson and Bell, there's not anyone that you should be overly worried about. And you could see, the things that Le'Veon Bell did, even though he didn't have as many touches as maybe everybody had wanted him to have. But he, when he's on the field, even when he's not touching the ball, he's still creating opportunities for other people. So I definitely thought that that was a pretty, um, pretty decent, you know, thing to see on, on, on how the offense is, slowly at a worm's pace, um, I guess, evolving. Um, because I really thought that with that, I think it was right around the 13-minute mark of the fourth quarter, or possibly the 10-minute mark, um, the Jets had had uh, a decent drive that we all know uh, ended with a turnover. But they were moving the ball. Um, Vincent, Vincent Smith got some touches. Um, uh, Demarius Thomas was getting involved and, and, and had a couple catches within that drive. And it kind of looked like the Darnold that shakes off the bad and, 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 you know, steps up and elevates himself when, when bad things happen, he bounces back quickly. It looked like he was on that mode. Uh, but it really seemed like, you know, the, the life and soul of whatever was left in the team kind of got taken away with that turnover. So, um, but collectively, you know, if I'd have to say with with the the studs and the duds here, uh, Ryan Griffin is the only one offensively that I think deserves any sort of honors. Uh, I think Demarius Thomas played an okay game. Um, You know, if certain things go better for Robbie Anderson, he could be a candidate, but you know, the zebras didn't help us out, and some, some poor officiating, in my opinion, hurt us as well. Um, I guess uh, from a defensive standpoint, uh, I think you really have to like what you're seeing from the younger guys on the defensive line in, in Fuller Runs of Fadakasi and Kyle Phillips. Um, you know, these are situations where these guys aren't filling up the stat sheets, but you can see that young players that 
are creating pressure. Um, they're, they're winning one-on-one battles in, in the trenches. And they're, they're doing little things that you can build on and you can work on. And, you know, maybe it's the, the play of those two specific individuals that I just mentioned was the reason why Leonard Williams was traded. Um, you know, and, and I, at this point, uh, that, that looks like who we're going to be going forward with. And, uh, you know, I have to say that, uh, Kyle Phillips looks like the keeper, um, from this point on. And, and I, I think that he definitely got to be one of the studs. Uh, how about you? How'd you see it? Yeah. I mean, obviously offense, it's easy because there, there was only everybody else was kind of a disaster. So he'd be, uh, he would actually be my one instead of going to two, we'll go one, two, three. He's my one. Uh, number two was George Willis. He's a guy that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I mean, so many young guys are, are playing well on the D line that you kind of, he, he's a guy that hasn't really gotten more but I thought that was, you know, he had a strip sack. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but he, I think they like in that role as a situational guy. And then the three is is between Fadokasi and Phillips. I'm going to go with Fadokasi, man. I, he looks like a player. He looks like he's going to be really good. I thought George Jenkins played right. Uh, he, you know, one, one thing, and this wasn't Jenkins so much. I forget who it was. I, what I don't like, not that anybody gives it to him, the, the NFL game, but Alex, I feel like when, anytime QB gets called for grounding, I think I think the guy who's well, the guy about to should be sack, sack. I think he's better for sack. Like the, the because you can't sack. touch the quarterback and you can't hit him insane. in the head. Dude, you can't hit him low. Away. The guy's about to tackle you. Like, you heard but it. at the last second, you know, he could throw it in the dirt. Yeah. And it's not a sack anymore. I mean, come on. You it's for, or at least have a tap for it. You know, first ground or something. It's completely the court and end your right. Yeah, dude. Because if you give forward progress the play to a runner, there. right? They give forward progress to a runner when he gets the first down, and then the the herd pushes him back behind the the first down marker. They give him the credit for that. Um, when a ball carrier is bottled up inside uh, the herd on a running play. But then he scoots out. You'll hear the whistles blow. Oh, you were you were down, you know, because they corralled you. They had their, you know, right. they had contact on you. So you're down by by contact. But when the quarterback is getting wrapped up and is falling toward the ground, he can pretty much throw it anywhere he needs to, as long as somebody with their color jerseys in the area. It's an incomplete pass. That yeah. has to be that has to be, be called a sack right there because if you're going to protect the quarterback in the manner that you're doing when he's left his feet or he's no longer upright, that should be considered a sack. I 100% agree yeah, with Because, I mean, by, by, by throwing that flag, you're saying you threw that away because you're going to get sacked. So give him sack the guy who left at him. And, uh, no, not, not that anybody be crying over uh, you know, as bank accounts. But dude, you're not a player. Like two or three sacks taken away, and you know, at the end of the year, like those things add up. And I, I guess what I'm saying is, a guy credit for his work. The guy practiced, the week, busted his ass, came and came, he beat the guy who was blocking him, the quarterback, right before he ran 
him up, quarterback throws him away, oh, no, I'm going to sack him. I mean, I don't know. It'd be crazy. But I feel like, I feel like that would be a sack for I think uh, Jenkins, Jenkins, I think, forced a coming a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and of course, he opened one. Well, a couple of sacks of you know, defenders had. And uh, that's a, that, I think that would be a, a good change to bring in. And um, so to our studs, who are your duds, Alex? Oh, the duds. Um, you know what? I'll do an honorable mention um, real quick. Uh, Daryl Roberts, I think it's honorable mention for the studs because yeah, it's a good call. He had some PBUs. He looked pretty good. On him, and I just want to, you know, I think he's if anything, if anyone has improved their play um, throughout this season from last year to this year. Um, in the in the first couple games of the year, we were like, all right, we're going to be dealing with the same old Daryl Roberts that we've seen in the past. And I think that he's improved his technique to a point to where he's winning um, on the, those those opportunities to get pass breakups. Uh, he's not getting called as much for passing interference. So there are he's trending in the right direction. So I wanted to put that out there real quick. Um, but as far as the uh, the duds are concerned, uh, you know, I'm going to have to go with, with the, the entire offensive line here. I don't want to single out um, an individual here because I feel that they're a unit. And uh, I, it's unfortunate because, again, we're in one of those scenarios where more injuries have occurred. Um, Ryan Khalil's dealing with something now, so Jonathan Harrison had to come in. and We just haven't had the same five guys to, to figure this thing out. And, and that's got to be I mean, what else could the could the reasoning be um, that these guys haven't found a way to get it together? So I'm going to put the offensive line out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to have to put Darnold in there as, as one of the duds too. Uh, you know, these turnovers, uh, these trying to extend plays, I understand that one of the exciting things that we've come to grow to love with Sam Darnold is his ability – to create when things break down. Uh, he's beginning to look like an inexperienced quarterback when you're outside the pocket and you're holding on to the ball too long. Um, he got stripped once for a fumble and he got lucky because the ball went out of bounds. And then there were some other times where he looked good evading a sack, but then he threw the ball where he thought the receiver should be. And it ends up being behind Robbie Anderson and going for an interception. So at that point, I, I get it. The kid's got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality, and I don't want him to play timid, but I do want him to play a little bit smarter when it comes to protecting the football. Um, so, you know, I, I hate to put 14 in there, um, but at the end of the day, uh, the, rookie, the rookie year, the rookie pass, at least for me, is now no longer in-house. And we have to start judging Sam Darnold as a franchise quarterback because that's what we want him to be. So Sam's got to do better as well. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for him because I don't know how I would have felt if I had lost my toenail and sprained, you know, thankfully it wasn't his right hand, but he sprained his, his left thumb. So anybody that has dealt with playing through an injury before that has occurred when you're competing, you know that that is a – stays on your focus throughout the whole process. So um, I know he's a tough kid. He's got grit. But uh, at the end of the day, we need him to make uh, better decisions. 
Um, and then, I, you know, if we're going to go with the one one last dud, um, I'm just going to have to go with with our captain, uh, Jamal Adams. Um, you know, he, he didn't conduct himself well after the game um, in his interview. Uh, there were some, some plays that uh, he left on the field. Uh, you got to get that interception. Uh, you got you to gotta figure out a way. I, I get that you're a high-energy player. You're coming, you know, like shot out of the cannon. But you have to anticipate that these quarterbacks are going to step up or move or shift at the last second. Um, so he needs to improve his ability when he's coming into the pocket. Um, you got to break down. You have to be able to give yourself the opportunity to counter wherever the quarterback is going to attempt to evade. So that would be my duds. Yeah, I would go with um, I'd go with Darnold because he was bad. You know, he's got to be better. Bad decision that game, especially when they had a chance to get back in it. Just that ball down the middle of the field that got picked off. That was a breaker. My number two is I, I know you went with the O line, but I'm going with Chuma. Man, that dude is. I mean, now uh, I I do know, literally, legitimately, I should say, legitimately when Donald gets back, that he's going to get hurt. Um, this is a worst-case scenario. This is not what we wanted. Um, there, mm-hmm. There's being bad on the O-line, and there's just getting your dude hit, sack, out eight, nine, ten times. So I'm really worried about Donald's health back there, and Chuma Doga is a big reason for that. And I'm hopeful on the Doga. I like him. He, I him in my mock. I like that the Jets took him. I think he's a developmental guy. I just don't think he's an NFL tackle right now. My number one, uh, one thought has Burgess. He just got abused all day out there. Uh, gave up some yeah. huge plays. I know he was put in some bad spots, but he's just he's uh, as a guy. You know, he, he shouldn't be in a practice squad, guy, but he is a guy who has NFL game experience. And he just he wasn't good enough. He got killed a few times, so he's my number one. And it was, uh, it was bad. It was ugly. That game felt like. I lost that game by about 40, you know, and every now and then you just have a game where you just explicably sort of hang around and hang around and hang around and did that for a little while. And again, I couldn't believe they when they got the ball back uh, before Arnold picked up the field. Like, geez, if, if, if he does a, a franchise quarterback type thing here, put him on his shoulder and win this damn game. Uh, yeah. And he just threw it away, threw it away down the middle of the field and so that was that, and uh, pretty much. You know, maybe I didn't uh, like the play calling in that drive either. To be honest with you, you run a screen left, you run a screen right, and let's just bomb it down the middle of the field. And obviously, Darnold was the one that made that decision to throw the ball there. But at the same time, I kind of feel like you had some momentum going with Dar- Demarius Thomas. Ryan Griffin was looking pretty darn good in the first half of the game. Didn't really see too much in the second half from him. So. You know, play calling's also got to be better as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this week, Alex, this week, Jets gone. The mighty Miami Dolphins, who I didn't catch the, the Monday night game against the Steelers. I did some of the highlights. I read some breakdown. My understanding, I don't know if you watched it, but uh, Booger McFarlane, for D-line, Bucks, was apparently, I don't know if he, right out and said it. It was basically insinuating my understanding 
thing is that it was even more obvious to him that Miami was trying to lose that football game. Two touchdowns and taking it all blitz with three seconds and a half to allow Miami to allow Pittsburgh to throw the ball down the field with, with very little coverage and score a touchdown. Um, so it really does look – I mean, we, everyone knows Miami's tanking. That's no secret. But it now sounds like on game day, could be intentionally calling plays to fail, sabotaging themselves. Um, what happens if the Jets lose this game? Where, where, does, where does this rank in most embarrassing losses if Adam Gase finds a way to go in there and let his Jets lose this football game? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that have created this hashtag fire case. Um, you and I have been more than supportive uh, from the beginning, giving him an opportunity to try to figure the, this this whole fiasco out. Um, but if you cannot figure out a way to draw up a scheme to beat your old team, going back to their house, and you're going to play this team twice within the next few, you know, upcoming weeks. And if you can't figure out a way to go 2-0 and against this team that, you know, as everyone has alluded to, um, they're, they're, pack, they're calling it – well, I mean, they're not giving up, but they've definitely done enough to put themselves in a position not to win a lot of football games by, by trading away their high commodities or talented players, I should say. So this is also a 16-game interview for a lot of these Miami players here to say, hey, look, um, our situation's not good. We need to to blow this thing up and figure it all out and and rebuild from scratch. But you guys still have the opportunity to do good things here to be on this roster next year or maybe to be, you know, put yourself in a position where you get picked up by some other team next year. So uh, these guys are not just going to lie down uh, for us. So, yes, if if Adam Gase and this team does not bounce back and show that they have some sort of adversity, then this season is truly lost. Um I have not been the type of person that has said no excuses. Um, This weekend, I think I'm going to have to go back on my word and and say they can't figure out a way to get this, get a W this weekend after all this drama that we've gone through, then maybe a a switch at the the head coaching position should be considered. I'll say considered to, to put it, Mildly, yeah, it's it's not a uh, it's not a good spot to be, Adam. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I, I might laugh. I lose that game. What else can you do? Like like the madness laugh. Like Jesus, what is this doing? Um, you know, a fan kind of lose mind watching them go through what they're going through. Um, and you know the thing. Strikes me, Alex. Uh, I was you know, the other day. I can't believe the season is only half over. I mean, this. I, I feel like they're in week thirty-five at this point. Um, we got a half <laughs> I did season a mock to go. Draft last night. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying not to. I'm, I'm, I'm 
and I got ridiculed for not taking uh, O-linemen for eight picks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, dude, it's crazy. It's like eight, and I just I, – the draft did not get here soon enough. It, you know, there are, I am crazy for doing mock drafts in October when it's not even November yet. But for people to be <laughs> and and criticize your pick, commend commend to those guys that put out those mock drafts because everybody loves to ridicule them when they do that stuff and take them apart. But it's just interesting how in, on October 30th when I did it, people are like, "You didn't take three offensive linemen to start this mock draft? Like you're crazy." Yeah. Like, okay. And and that, that let's let's touch on that real quick, Alex. I'm glad you said that actually. So. For the Jets in this upcoming draft, uh, obviously the goal line needs to be built. But my concern is that, as we've seen in recent years, there are far fewer plug-and-play linemen coming to college because of the fact that, you know, it's these quick offense, you know, the system off. And these guys are taking longer than ever to get them activated in the NFL game. How, how many linemen can you realistically expect to draft and to be able to plug and play here? And how many of them hit? Like, do you really think you're going to have three rookie starting lines next year that do right. drafts? And you think it's if it's three, do you think he's going to have to draft three? Like, I know we have high hopes for Joe Douglas, but we're just going to say, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and draft three starting linemen, Joe. I think the realistic approach, the, the safest approach to me, is draft guys, maybe a third, because I think they will add some picks. Um, and change it. You know, like, if you deal Ball and you deal Le'Veon and you come out of this with three or four first rounders and you get some extra first alignment, that's different. As it stands now, I draft two or three and, and you just a couple free picks. Like, I was looking the other day that I really like. I wish they'd sound like a year ago. Uh, J.C. Tretter, Tretter, who uh, the Packers said he's with Brown. He's due to be a free agent. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good player. Get J.C. Tretter, your, your center position. is a Jonathan Harris addition as one of the guards. Draft guard. And I think you know, what on one is basically like, I mean, if Chase Young is there, if that's continue to be bad, and they're at three, Top two teams, a quarterback. I don't care if it's defense. You can change the up and you go from there. If she is off the board, then you got to make the tackle available. But um, if you're Douglas, I know you you know you got to see the board falls. But you you can't go and expect to have three or four new starting rookie linemen next year, can you? That 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 sounds like a remedy for disaster because. You know, what type of lineman are you going to be getting? Is one a power scheme guy? Is one a zone blocking guy? Is one, you know, agile and uses more finesse? Is another guy a mauler? There's a lot of different variables that you have to look at when you're assessing offensive linemen. And then you also have to depict, is this the st- his style of play going to fit with the offensive scheme that we're going to deploy moving forward? So, yeah, there's a lot to be um, – analyzed when you come down to the decision-making when it comes to to picking, uh, you know, the right guys. I mean, 
if for whatever reason there are multiple Quentin Nelson style offensive linemen um, that are, you know, within reach for us to get, if we could stockpile some picks and come back into the first round and, and grab two of those style of guys. Yes. I, I would be all right. Having two rookies starting on the offensive line, if the talent warrants as such, but it's just interesting, and when when we hear about these trade speculations, is that people are like, oh yeah, just you know, get a, get a ones and the twos and get the threes, and I mean, come on, people, let's look at our history here. Now I know that we have a new general manager that's going to be assessing talent, but how many first round picks has this team lost within recent years? You know, Sheldon Richardson, Mohammed Wilkerson, Darren Lee, Leonard Williams. I mean, the list goes on and on. So just because you have a first round, an extra first round pick, doesn't automatically mean that you, a you're getting a starter and b you're fixing an issue or plugging a hole that was a problem. Because there's still a development period that these guys have to go through before that they can be considered quality or consistent players. Now some guys just fall in and you never hear about them and they just do their job and everything works out. And that's the perfect scenario. But we all know that nothing is perfect in life. So I, I get the, the whole let's stockpile and it's lucrative and it's fun. But let's take a look at what the Oakland Raiders did. The Oakland Raiders traded their two big top defensive guy in Cleo Mack, top offensive guy in Amari Cooper. They had a slew of picks in this, this previous draft. If I'm not mistaken, they're three and four. And they're not looking too hot. You know, they've played good games. They've played plenty of bad games. And they've got plenty of young talent on that team. Now, who's to say that maybe next year or two years from now, Oakland's one of the top teams in the AFC because of that draft? It all remains to be seen. But it's just not always the right thing to do because you have to hit. And the guys have to be healthy. And they have to fit the scheme, and it all has side, to align perfectly. Side about Oakland because I looked, I don't remember why I looked at this the other day. See Derek Carr's completion percentage now. Derek Derek Carr's completed seventy two percent of his passes. That's insane. I mean, that sounds like the percentage. Must be a lot would, of dunk have, going on. Would have you more more than three games, you know, more than three wins in a season with that type of percentage. But that's how funny yeah. football can uh, be sometimes. That's a pretty crazy. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Seventy. Like I said, they might be doing a lot of thinking and thinking. Right. Anyway, we can wrap things up here now. Alex, let's do a a quick prediction. Uh, Jets, Dolphins. I think the Jets are a three point favorite. What What do you got? Who Who, who wins by how? Oh, my God. Um, I don't want this to be close at all. I, I, want, I want this to – I want to see Miami fans leaving the stadium early to beat the traffic is what I want. And I want to predict that this team is going to snap out of this funk and go down into Miami and, and start getting it done. Do your job, as as the great Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick would say. Do your job. Stop worrying about everything that's going on in the past, and go out there and and put up thirty points up on this team. Enough is enough. 
we do have talent on this team. These guys just got to want it, and they got to physically do it with their sheer will. So I, I want to see this team come out here. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick, we know the way he plays. Some days he goes out and he throws five touchdowns. Some days he goes out and he throws five interceptions. So you got to put this guy in the position to where you want to keep everything in front of you because he doesn't have a great arm when it comes to the deep threat, but he's not shy about going deep on you either. So you got to go out there and you got to score points. I want to see this team walk come out of this thing with a, tw- a 24 to 16 or 28 to 17 style game. And you got to go out there and you got to just beat the evid living heck out of this team and, and just make this whole past week an awful memory that just needs to be buried and put away. That's what this team needs to do. And I'm also going to the game too. So don't make, don't, don't you make me regret flying all the way down to Miami uh, again, like you did to me last year. So that's where I'm at with this team. All right, Alex, uh, I hope you're right with the Jets win. I hope we see some things stuff to build on that, you know, cause all that's left really is, is for Donald's development. See some of these guys make some plays. Hopefully, out of Jordan Jenkins, he's, you know, he's dinged up. He's got a few plays where he got the, you know, we mentioned the ground earlier. Um, almost getting there. I'll see some plays out of him. But I'm going to say Jets win this one 24-13. If they lose this one, five days. Send them home. I mean, that, that's, yeah. the final, that's the final nail in the coffin. You can't bring this guy. You lose to a ball team sabotage themselves during games to make sure they don't win. I mean, it, it would be, you know, the only thing that would be hilarious about it or or about all of this is that the Jets could accidentally out-tank the Dolphins. If the Jets ended up ahead of the, That's like one good thing. Let's say hypothetically that the, the Jets keep being atrocious every week and they go 1-15 and they hold the Dolphins for all those picks they went in the quad to make sure they'd be able to get quarterback. The Dolphins have multiple ones. They have multiple twos. They got it all. Uh, and then, it, it, that, I don't know. That, that's getting a little too far. Dolphins. Uh, bottom line, Jets should win this one. They don't. Then let Adam Gase on the airplane have him home. And that's going to wrap things up for us this week. Alex, thanks so much. And uh, Jet Nation, thank you, Alex. want to uh, give it your Twitter handle? Yes, yes. Um, you can uh, catch me at NYJetsLife24. And uh, I don't know if, if you had mentioned it before, but uh, Blake Cashman, rest up, get healthy, uh, do do whatever it takes. We, we we look forward to seeing you come back next year and bounce back. Yeah, actually, I did get that out. Uh, Blake Cashman, if you didn't hear, from fractured shoulder out for the year. It doesn't bode well for him, really. I, when, when people criticize that pick because of the history of shoulder, Injuries. All I'm saying right. is nobody knows what it is. How, like, and I still, we never, all I kept hearing was shoulder injury. And I'm like, are we looking like scope clean minor injuries or minor injuries? So if these are related, if, if, these, if these were major injuries, absolutely dumb pick. And, you know, as, as the, uh, the, uh, highly respected.
and former NFL lineman Brian Baldinger always says, uh, dumb guys stay dumb and hurt guys stay dumb guys stay dumb, hurt guys stay hurt, and guys stay fat. So uh, let's hope that Blake <laughs> doesn't hurt. Uh, the uh, early results are not good and little reason to believe this won't be a, an ongoing thing. So either that be said, hopefully Kevin is, is uh, a good surgery up and about soon and, and back at it next year. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can check me out on Twitter at acefan23. That's A-C-E-Fan23. Thanks so much for tuning in, Jets fans. Hopefully, a little bit of Kumbaya next week. Everybody's happy, joking, and a, a good win against the Well, I mean, is there a good win against the Dolphins? Let's say a win against the Dolphins. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Happy night, fans. Go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!